Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins. Friends, welcome again. Stephen and I, Brother Stephen Strew here. We're enjoying ourselves so much on the last half hour session that we were with you that we just stayed right here in our seats and want to continue on talking to you for another half hour. So we're, we're holding on and going on with you. Our subject matter has been to, we're trying to unveil to you the fulfill scripture in our day. And we're not trying to exalt a man, we're trying to point to you fulfill scripture. And of course, the primary reason anytime on fulfill scripture is to see where we are in God's great plan. And of course, the scriptures that we're talking about indicate to us that the whole plan is just about to wind up. We mm. are we are in the very closing days. And the closing days are exciting because scriptural truths that have been hidden all through the ages, all the way from the book of Daniel, clear on up until uh, just the last very short time, were all, the Bible said, sealed until the time of the end. And so they're being unveiled now, have been unveiled now, and so consequently it declares loud and clear, we're at the time of the end. So if we're at the time of the end, then it behooves anybody who has the ability to believe that the Bible is the word of God, that there is, there we, we better prepare ourselves for that which is next in God, God's great program. The part we don't want to be part of is the great tribulation. And God has sent a message to the earth to raise a faith in the hearts of the people to be ready for the, for the other thing that's going to happen besides the tribulation. And that's the group that will not taste death, but in a moment be changed in a twinkling of an eye and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And that's, uh, that's what a message came to earth for. Everything in God's program comes by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. But if we're feeding on a perverted word, then our faith can't be pure. But God has always had the blood to cover for the ignorance of the people. And so for the, for the people in ages past, the blood was there. That's what the Old Testament sacrifice offered once a year for the sins of ignorance of the people. But now in the last days, God is opening up these things that have been hidden. And so therefore that portion of the Bible which has been covered by blood because we didn't understand. Now the portion that's covered by the blood is shrinking, shrinking, shrinking because the bride of Christ, the true church, is becoming accountable more and more for what God has done, what God has said in these, in these final ages. And of course, we've been trying to show you that the very, very supernatural ministry that William Branham had, and we've been showing you clips now for the last four uh, broadcasts, of, of that supernatural ministry, but it was not to draw attention to William Branham, nor really was it to draw your attention to the supernatural. It was only to catch your attention because behind, behind the sign, there was a voice. And the voice was God speaking through a messenger to bring a message to us for how do we get ready and what, and to build our faith by understanding out of, out of the word of God. And of course, we know that uh, the, the book of Revelation has been a mystery for ages, and I would say thousands of books have been written, all declaring to understand the book of Revelation. But when a prophet came on the scene and received, thus saith the Lord on the book of Revelation, my, it was very, very different in many places. 
Now, the, the good Bible students for in ages past did a very good job in certain areas of the Old Testament, and they pretty well had it sorted out. But the part that's really critical, uh, they've missed it. And, of course, I would have missed it, too, had a prophet not come on the scene to bring us, thus saith the Lord, on such an important book as the book of Revelation. It's at the end of the book. It's at the end of the Bible because it's a, something to be opened up at the end time. So now we're going to touch on some of these points and before I start, I've got some uh, notes here to myself to remind myself what I want to say to you. But before we get into the notes, I think Brother Stephen and I, as we were discussing things between these uh, sessions here, getting ready to speak to you again, we were talking about various things that I know he has a little bit on his heart he'd like to share with you before we uh, continue on in our notes. Well, Brother Lonnie, you talked about the voice of the Son. Right. We addressed that in the last session and uh, that God wouldn't do something spectacular or supernatural just to make a show. Right. He's doing it for a purpose, and yeah. that purpose is that he wants, he's got something on his mind. He's got something in his, uh, in his attributes that he wants <coughs> to express, and the way that God does that is the thoughts of God are expressed as words, and the words are expressed usually through the voice of his prophets. And so there was a, a, a trend that we were following in the last session uh, where we could actually see how when God worked in the Elijah ministry, he worked uh, through the still small voice. Uh, that was a key turning point in dealing with that Jezebel spirit was a still small voice. We know from uh, a, as students of, of, uh, of the Bible and from Revelation, and uh, many may remember that in, in, uh, in the Thyatira age and, and in, and in the, uh, uh, the Pergam Pergamian age, they, they were dealing with this, this dominating woman and that uh, there was this Jezebel spirit that was going to manifest itself. And we still see evidence of that right up until today. So there's a parallel between the voice in Elijah's day and the voice uh, in this uh, in this day where he says that in the in the last day you'd have the voice of the seventh angel and he'll begin to sound the mystery of God would be finished but uh, there's another passage of scripture and that's in Matthew 25 and I'd like to turn to that where Jesus is telling a parable and he, you remember the parables were always uh, designed to uh, portray in a simplified way a real spiritual truth and this is one of the most dynamic parables. Now, many times people will say, well, you know, you shouldn't build a doctrine on a parable because if you do that, you don't know if you've got the right, if you've got the right interpretation of the parable. But in this case, it's pretty clear. And uh, there's many other scriptures that refer to Jesus having a bride. Revelation 19 verse 6 says, the wife has made herself ready. So we know that that the purpose um, for for uh these for this last day is that Christ wants to complete this bride that he's been forming over the last 2,000 years, mm -hmm. starting in the, the day of Pentecost when the church was, uh, was, uh, was inaugurated right up until the last uh, soul is, uh, comes to his place, his position, her position, and then the catching away of the church takes place. Now, it's that period, that very last period that Jesus is um, portraying to the people in, in the form of a parable when he talks about ten virgins. And he says it's the kingdom of heaven that's likened unto ten virgins in Matthew 25 verse 1. And then it says five of them were foolish in the next verse. Five of them were wise. And uh, we now found out later on what the wise and foolish were. The, the wise were the ones that had extra oil. The foolish were the ones that didn't bring extra oil with them. But here's the, the critical thought that I wanted to bring out of that parable. And that's in verse 6. 
he says, and at midnight there was a cry made. A cry is obviously a loud voice. A cry was made, behold, the bridegroom comes, go ye out to meet him. Christ is our bridegroom. We're the, the virgin bride. In Second Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul says that he wants to present us as the church, as chaste virgins to Christ. So these are Christians mm -hmm. that um, have separated themselves and, and uh, want to only uh, be the bride of Christ. They don't want to be mixed up with the things of the world. But in that group of, of people that we'd regard as church, Jesus draws a distinction between wise and foolish. And then to the, uh, but to wake them up, because they all went to sleep, the Bible says, their cry went out, a shout went out at midnight, behold, the bridegroom comes. And uh, midnight's an interesting time because um, if, uh, if we take the uh, evening uh, as separated at six o'clock, which would be halfway between noon and midnight. If we take that evening starts at six o'clock, then 12 o'clock uh, midnight would be the seventh hour of the night, the seventh hour. And in that midnight time frame, uh, as that started, there was a cry that went out and, and we would say now Christ is coming. And that's what woke up these virgins, and that's when they discovered that they weren't fully prepared. And the wise virgins went into the wedding feast, but the foolish remained out. And the very, very critical thing about that is that those foolish came back fully expecting to have been led into the wedding supper, and yet they're told. Mm -hmm. that uh, they're, they're, they're denied permission mm -hmm. and they're left outside the closing mm -hmm. door. A tragic uh, end uh, to something that was so promising. They were right there, ready for the bridegroom, waiting for him, and yet they missed it. And that's what I feel is important about Brother Random's ministry is he was that wake-up call mm -hmm. to the church. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we will hear it, that would make us part of that wise group that would have the extra oil, which is the Holy Spirit, and we would go in and be with, uh, be in uh, at the at the wedding supper. So once again, that word voice um, translates into the ministry of this day. And then there's one other place, and uh, that's in Revelation chapter six. And you said that many people had had dis have looked at the book of Revelation and not fully understood it. One of the things that was important about Brother Branham's ministry was opening of the seven seals. And in the fourth seal, in um, he talks about uh, the uh, voice of the fourth beast saying, "Come and see." Now, in the previous uh, verses in chapter six, he says, "And I heard." The first beast say, come and see. And I heard the second and I heard the third. But when he gets to the fourth beast, he says, and, and I'm going to read it for you, Revelation chapter 6. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast mm -hmm. say, come and see. So once again, the emphasis on the voice of the sign, a dramatic sign in this day. Tremendous signs in one of his miracles, as we've seen on the video clips. But that wasn't the end of it. The real uh, test of, of a, of a God-given prophetic ministry is that there would be something that God wanted to explain or share or open up to his uh, bride to prepare them for the next stage that he was going to move into. I think of John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice. Amen. Voice. So a voice is always speaking words. So consequently, the word of God is, is we're born again by the seed incorruptible, the word of God. So the word takes on full emphasis. And uh, yeah. we've gone into seed, friends, with you before, but since I mentioned it, I just want to draw your attention to this. 
that the way that God created seed in the, in the book of Genesis, when he lays down the laws of seed, every seed will bring forth of its own kind. But then, of course, years later, coming on down to we got this thing called science, and then now they're going to in, improve on God's program, so they start a process called hybriding. Mm. And, of course, the science didn't initiate that, but they did it in, in the farm fields. That's where they did it not too many years ago, but, of course, it started way back in Eden. But nevertheless, this mixing of seed uh, breaks the law of God. It can no longer bring forth of its own kind. And since God calls his word a seed, a, a sower went forth sowing, and the scripture says it was the word of God. And so if we hybrid the word of God with creeds, dogmas, man's opinion, it cannot produce children of God. It's going to produce church members and religious people, but then they wonder, where's the signs and miracles? Where's the supernatural that God promised would be in his church? And they've been birthed, we'll call it, by a hybrid seed. And so now, but that's been happening through the ages, and we can't put it down because God said in his Bible, that's exactly the way it would be. But again, now we're in the last days, and Malachi 4 says that a prophet will come and turn our hearts back to the fathers. That's to take us back to the gospel as the apostle pre apostles preach it. They, Paul said that I, have, I am your father in the gospel. So we, our heart is going to be turned back to the way it was preached there. So again, this voice of the seventh angel, mystery of God revealed, is taking us back to the gospel that Paul preached. Malachi 4 said that this, this voice would have the spirit of Elijah, prophet, going to take us back to the gospel Paul preached, our apostolic fathers. And what's the purpose? To let us feed on a pure word, to feed on a thus saith the Lord on the scriptures, not mixed with man's opinions of scriptures, which is been fine, I'm not putting it back. That doesn't mean all the people before this are lost. They, they were living out their age and will be accountable for what God did in their age. But we're trying to share with you what God is doing in this age. So, so consequently, this message we're bringing to you is vital. It is very, very, very vital. And so if we're ready, Brother Stephen, if you're ready, let's go into the book of Revelation a little bit and share with the people. Are, are you ready for that? I'm ready. Okay. In going into the, in, into the book of Revelation, even Revelations 1.1 says that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants uh, the things that must shortly come to pass. So shortly come to pass. So it's a prophetic book. And then it, it was the revelation that God gave to Jesus. So consequently, Jesus had finished his work as Savior, finished his work of salvation, gone to Calvary, uh, died, resurrected, ascended on high, sent his spirit back down onto the church in the form of the Holy Spirit. So it is the spirit of Jesus Christ called the Holy Spirit that has come back on the church. And then the book of Revelation has been written, hidden in symbol form, what Jesus would do from that time forward. And so it's now, but now it's not Jesus of Nazareth. It's Jesus, the living word in every age. Because before Jesus, excuse me, before the word ever was made flesh, John 1, 14, before that ever happened, uh, the word was still there. That's the Logos, that's Christ. And his name is Jesus also. Uh, Ephesians 3, 9, you can see that. So con consequently, now we're going to go on the revelation of which God gave unto him. So referring to his future, future works. And then in uh, John, so that you'll catch the picture, then John, uh, John 6, 16, excuse me, John 16, Jesus told his disciples, uh, I'll put, I'll tie several scriptures together here. He says, I'm not with you. 
and he was there in a body of flesh, but I shall be in you, because why? And he says, unless I go away, the comforter can't come, because Jesus was containing the fullness of the Spirit of God. But when he ascended on high, and the blood had been shed to purchase his church, then he could send his spirit back down. Now, Paul met him, not as Jesus of Nazareth, but as a pillar of fire. So Jesus had returned back to the Logos, or Christ form, in which he led the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt in, into the Promised Land. But then on the day of Pentecost, that same life, that same Jesus, appeared, in the, it, now it's the pillar of fire, breaking itself up into tongues of fire to come down on the believers in the upper room. And now Jesus is sharing his eternal life with his people. Now catch this picture. He, now the, the body of Jesus Christ was the one that was virgin born. But now once the church has initiated on the day of Pentecost and that same life now divided among the people, the many-membered body that Corinthians speaks about, once that life, then now this is called the body of Christ. So consequently now the same work that God did through Jesus of Nazareth, now that same spirit is to be working through the church of the living God. But it can only minister in each age according to the measure of spirit, and the spirit can only come in the measure of pure word. Did you follow that? So therefore there's a measure of spirit to an age based on the amount of word that the people have in that age. Jesus said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So the word itself, God's word, carries spirit and life, eternal life. So therefore, if we have much word, we have much spirit. If we have a little word, we have little spirit. And that's what we see as we trace the seven churches of Asia all through the Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3, that in some ages there was a greater manifestation of this spirit of life because they had a greater measure of word. And then as they drift from the word, then the manifestation of Christ is lesser because the word is less, therefore the spirit is less. But now watch the principles. Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega. That's the beginning and the end. I am A and Z, or for you Europeans, Z. So the beginning and the end. And so therefore now he's telling us the principle and it's seed again. If we put a seed in the ground, all through the process of it growing, it doesn't look like seed until it reaches the beginning. So alpha is seed and omega is seed again. And in the in between is a process that's necessary for the growing, the maturing of the seed, but it's not the seed. And that's been our seven church ages out of book of Revelations chapter two and chapter three. And, and, the, and John is told in Revelations chapter one uh, <clears throat> about verse Four, I think, I think it's verse four. It says to send this message to the seven churches of Asia. And of course, Asia is significant. He didn't say send it to the church of Jerusalem. We would have thought that's where it went, but he sent it to Asia. And uh, uh, Stephen has a little bit to tell us about why did he send it to the church of Asia? Well, the critical thing about um, the gospel after the uh, initial um, uh, Pentecostal 
um, experience uh, there in uh, the upper room is that uh, Jesus had said, tarry in Jerusalem till you've been endured with power on high. And then he said, you'll be my witnesses starting in Jerusalem and in Judea and, and into Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so the gospel was going to spread. It wasn't going to remain uh, a Jewish gospel. Correct. But uh, we know that Paul eventually came and he said, now I turn to the Gentiles. God has made me an apostle to the Gentiles. So we recognize from that that God was going to be turning from uh, working with his nation, Israel, his chosen people, and uh, because they had rejected Messiah, uh, that he was now going to turn, as Paul says in Romans chapter 11, he was going to turn now to the Gentiles. And uh, so Acts these. Acts 11. Um, excuse me? Acts 11. Um, well, Romans, uh, I think it's 11 where he says that the wild olive branch. Oh, that um, one, right, That's right, okay. excuse me, the wild olive, yeah, olive okay. branch because he was going to go from the natural olive to the wild olive. And so I in, was thinking of Acts 13, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. When he, when he, when he does that, he, uh, he, he shows us that directly here in Revelation that now the church, when he's going to talk about things that must come hereafter, it's going to be the gospel going to the Gentiles. That's why he chose Asia, which really is Asia Minor, that we would regard that area today as Western Turkey. That's where those seven churches were positioned. But that was the first step as a symbol of the, of the uh, continuing uh, spread of the gospel amongst Gentile nations mm -hmm. now, away from Jerusalem. In fact, it continually seemed to move towards the west. If that was the east uh, in Jerusalem, the gospel moved steadily west, mm -hmm. even As until sun, it hit the sun west. rises in the east, sets in the west, the light of the world following the same pattern. It's following the same pattern. And uh, even, uh, even in Matthew uh, 24, he says, As the lightning shines from mm -hmm. the east to the west, mm -hmm. so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. What we see right now is all the emphasis back in the middle East. Mm -hmm. And that's showing, we call it the Middle East, but that's the sunrise mm -hmm. in terms of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. we see all the attention back on there again. And once again, that's giving us an indication of the time that we're living in. Yeah, well, this, speaking of the gospel, this message that we're sharing with you now, I've been a missionary for over 30 years carrying this message around the world. And I've, of course, I've watched it as initially it was, it was very isolated in America and just a little few little places in Europe the English-speaking countries. And then as translations began to come, it began to sweep. And it, it followed the same pattern. And so it's gone, gone from the east, coming on around west, 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 west. And now our latest areas are uh, in China. And now look what's happened. We've, we've, gone, we've broken the barrier of what is called the Western world, which is America. And so the west coast of America, where the last revival started, Azusa Street Pentecostal Revival in 1906, and then, then th this message brought its own revival. And of course, it swept the world. And now finally, it's broken back to the east again, going th through China and working its way all the way back toward Israel again, where finally this same message will work its way across the Muslim nations and finally go back to Israel again and will be brought to Israel by the two prophets, two witnesses of Revelations chapter 11. And so we see we're getting very close. We've come all the way from the from the beginnings over in the beginning, now sweeping the world all the way around and almost ready to go back to Israel again. And once God turns his attention back to the Jews, friends, grace is over for us Gentiles. So therefore, we, we have a work to do to share with the Gentiles, all those that have ears to hear, what, what God is doing through, the, through this ages. And it's, it's continually moving. So, so the book of Revelation then, John was told, to send this message to the seven churches of Asia.
Now, there's a lot of symbolism in Revelations chapter 1, and so we'll just touch on a couple of them because they're, they're, they're needful for our, for our proper understanding. So in the book, excuse me, find my glasses. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 1, verse 12, I turned to see the voice that spoke to him, and he says, And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, there's some other depictions of Christ here as he is through the ages in, in symbol form. But then the next, the next part I want to talk about is in um, verse 16, And he had in his right hand seven stars. So we've got the candlesticks and the stars. Now, this, this becomes significant. Now, verse 20 says, In the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks, which thou sawest, are the seven churches. So now we've got, then now chapter 2 goes into those churches, chapter 2 and chapter 3, and that's Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So we've got seven, seven churches that, that they are represented in the candlestick, and then we've got seven messengers to the seven ages. Angel merely means messenger. And so we've got this angel concept now that God is sending a messenger to each age. And we've got just a minute left. Can you say something quick about angels? Just that Paul said in, uh, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, he said, though I, I or an angel from heaven mm -hmm. preach any other gospel, what he was saying, uh, I believe, is that he recognized his position as one of those angels, right. as one of those stars in the right. Lord's right hand. What is right hand? Right hand is power. This was the way God was going to work in the churches through these uh, these uh, these messengers in each age. And Paul recognized himself as one of the angels, and he said, so I, as an angel, earthly angel, or a heavenly angel. So an angel doesn't have to be a, a, a white man, a white feathered thing with wings. It's, yeah, right. It's not that. We know that the apostle Paul was the messenger Messenger, the apostle to the church of Ephesus, and that's the first church age. And we're trying to talk to you now about the last church age, which of course is the seventh angel, the voice of the seventh angel, which is William Branham to this age, starting with the apostle Paul, closing out with William Branham, and that'll be our focus now of the next service, still trying to show you what God is doing in this age. Hi friends, I'm back again. I want to encourage you as we did at the close of the former program. There are a series of books that have been written about the life and ministry of William Branham. It starts out, The Boy and His Deprivation, and then The Young Man and His Desperation, and it goes on and brings you right on up to the ministry of today. These are well worth reading for you to see what God has done in this day, friends. Excellent reading. We truly believe that the books just mentioned by Brother Lonnie will bless and inspire you. There are two ways to order these books or the DVD of today's program titled Revelation, A Book of Symbols. You can visit our website at globalanswers.us and click on the Resource Center link where you'll find these and many other books and DVDs or you can write us at Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio, the zip code is 45801 here in the USA. Please be sure to email questions or comments to info at globalanswers.us. 
thank you for joining us, and may our Lord Jesus Christ continue to reveal himself to you.